Hey, you know what? I took Ted and his wonderful wife camping, and I learned something when I was in Florida at Pastors University. You don't really get to know people until you travel with them, because that's where the good, the bad, the ugly comes out. <laughs> and I guess the greatest thing I discovered about it is not only is my friend Ted an exceptional individual, he's very kind. I got to hang out with the family, see how they interact. And boy, I was blown away. I feel like sincerity and honesty and integrity is such a wonderful thing. And I'm grateful to have a man of God of this caliber in our area. I can't tell you how, how much I appreciate that. I mean, I just feel tickled. I feel honored. So I want to introduce Ted. Would you give him a big Montana welcome? His wonderful wife, Carolyn. Well, I'm happy to be here, I'll tell you that, and I'm excited about what God's going to do this week, aren't you? Would you just lift your hands all over the house and just thank the Lord for a moment of His goodness and His mercy. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. It never ends. It always abounds. And we thank you, Lord, that we're the recipients of your blessing, your favor, and that there is no devil in hell that can stop the power of God in our lives. We expect great things. The best days are ahead and not behind us in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you'd bless our family so abundantly that it would make even unbelievers take notice of how good you've been to your children. And as your word declares in the book of Romans, it is the goodness of God that draws men to mighty repentance. So let them see your goodness and your mercy. Father, I pray that Montana would be struck with a mighty revival that would sweep through this state in Jesus' name. I pray that it would be uh, not only among us and our churches, but even the reservations, Lord. Touch the res, every res in this state, Lord. I pray that it would sweep through and touch the Native Americans. I pray that there'd be such a mighty revival that addictions would be broken, domestic abuse would come to an end, suicide rates would go down, sicknesses would be healed. Let this state feel and see and experience your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you and we give you all the praise. And if you believe it, somebody say amen. 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 Give Jesus a hand of praise tonight. <laughs> praise God. Man, I, I'm, I was looking forward to coming back and being with you. And of course, we had a blast uh, with your pastors out in Wyoming, up in the mountains. And it's good to just shut off everything and be off the grid for a while. You know, you come down the mountain and your phone starts going off at 100 miles a minute, <laughs> 19 million notifications. It's good to be away from that for a little while. And uh, we had an awesome time, and uh, it, was, it was really, really cool, really a blessing. First time, personally, I've done a lot of tent camping, but it was the first time I'd ever done RV camping like that, and it was very awesome. And uh, I'm definitely doing that again. I'm, I'm coming back. It's dangerous to feed the preacher too well. Amen. <laughs> because <laughs> it just keeps coming back. And I'll tell you, your pastor is not just a wonderful man of God, but he is a beast on the camp chef. I'm just going to tell you right now, he's a beast on the camp chef. He fed us so well. And I felt like the Hebrews in the Old Testament. Man, oh, what is this? It's that good. And uh, we had an awesome time. And I'm so happy to have my family. I get to have the blessing of traveling with my family. I was thinking about this um, not long ago because we were, we were just, people ask me all the time, like, how often do you guys travel? And I really don't keep track in that way, but I was looking at it because I was interested to see. And uh, before our last meeting in Pittsburgh, that was our 31st week on the road this year. So we've already done 31 weeks this year. 
And uh, it's a blessing. I can't imagine having to just leave home 31 weeks already and kiss those babies goodbye and kiss my wife goodbye and just be gone, you know, 250, 270 days a year. So I thank God that I've got an anointed and a wonderful wife who, and my family that travels with me everywhere that I go. And she's not just a, a wonderful wife. She's an anointed and godly mother. And she's teaching. Now she's got three students. She's homeschooling all three of our kids this year. And uh, she's taught them since they've been in uh, preschool. And But she's also an anointed uh, minister, speaker, preacher, teacher. And uh, this week she's got a women's conference that begins on Friday night in, outside of Boston, Massachusetts. But I, was, I, I said this night, I said, would you just come and just say hello to everybody and greet everybody, encourage their faith. So would you put your hands together and welcome my wife, Carolyn Shuttlesworth, as she comes to just greet you for a moment. You know, I got to know a lot about your pastors. <laughs> um, they were so gracious to invite us camping, and it really was the one of the best vacations we have ever done. And we've done a lot and gone a lot of places, but it was so enjoyable, and we got to be with Jackie and Eric and have some downtime. And, you know, your pastor didn't have any faith in us because he told us, only got to do two nights. And when I got there, I hadn't even started camping, and I said, I want to stay another night. I want to stay another night. And I was able to stretch his faith and stretch him because I think he's a little in the box. And so, you know, he he was good for for us, but I think we were good for him too. Well, we had a a lot of fun. And you know what? Being out there spoke volumes to me. It spoke volumes to me, and I was just thinking, you know, as I'm looking around, and I'm enjoying the nature and the quiet, and I, li- I liked that we got to get off the grid, even though when we came down the mountain, we had, you know, before we left, we uh, text our team, and I said, you know, we're getting ready to go off the grid. If there's anything you need, let us know now. Thank you for taking care of the ministry and keep it running while we're gone. Uh, we might be back Friday, Saturday, or never. Uh, so, and then they <laughs> They were back laughing at me. But, you know, you get out there. And as we were driving out there, I said to Ted, I said, just look around. Like, look at the beauty. But not even the beauty. Like, there's not a care in the world out there. There is just, like, a supernatural peace being out there and disconnected from the world. Disconnected from the world. So you see right there when there's a connection to the world because we're already from a different place. We're already from a different kingdom. When you're connected to that world, that's where you feel a heaviness. That's where you have no joy and no peace, and it's like sucking the life out of you. But when you're completely disconnected from that, and there's a void of that, it was so peaceful. It was so joyful out there. And you could feel the presence of God just watching the nature that he created. And so when Ted quickly said, you you know, you want to go up? I'll have you come up. I said, okay. You know, immediately on this trip when I came home and as everything was going off on my phone and did you hear what Biden said? And did you hear this new mandate? And did you hear this? I just started laughing. And I thought immediately of Matthew 6. And then I'm going to go to Psalm 50. But immediately, Matthew 6 dropped into my spirit. And I'm going to read real quick. It said, start in 25. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Because, you know, when I was praying for this week and praying for the services and praying for you, you know, I don't have to know you by name or actually see your face, but praying for the people that were going to come through in a part of Bethany Church. 
I was praying that there would be a supernatural peace that swept through this week and a joy that took us over because we're not ending 2021 feeling beat up. And as more of the world's being pushed on us, we're going to feel more pressure and more pushed down. That's not how we're ending 2021. The world doesn't dictate to us. We're children of God. We're from a different kingdom. We dictate to the devil what's going on. He doesn't control our life. We control every situation because in Luke, it says he's given us all power over the enemy. And so it says, whether you have enough food and drink or even enough clothes to wear, isn't life more about food and and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. And that's what I got to, got to see, even though I hate birds. But, you know, I, I do. I really do. I hate birds. But I was enjoying watching them and how, they, <laughs> and how it was out there because I thought of this verse. And it said, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Aren't we far more valuable? And I looked out there and there wasn't a care. No animals were freaking out. The trees weren't freaking out. Nothing was freaking out. It wasn't until you get into connected to the world, you start freaking out. And that is what, that's what it was speaking to me out there, is that there's not going to be a care in this world. We were meant to carry the blessings of God, not the burdens. That's why we can't handle it. That's why when we start to feel the cares of this world, we start to break down. We start to feel sad. We go into depression mode because it's not how we're built. We're not built to carry that mess. And so it says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, will he certainly care for you? Why do you have so little faith? but that's not gonna be us this week. You guys are hungry and you're thirsty for a move. You're hungry for the things of God. You know, expectation, expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. So we're starting night one revival in Billings, Montana. And you know what? What you're believing God for, if you have to write it down so you have a prayer point, so you have it in front of you, what you're asking God for, you know, you you may have asked it in January and you haven't seen it yet, but the year's not over. So we're going to take what we want, what we're asking God for, and we're going to see it by the end of the week. And that is a faith confession that needs to be said. Lord, this is what I haven't seen. This is what I need for my family. This is what I want in my own life. This is what I want for my marriage, my children, my job. And I'm not going to leave Friday evening without it. And that's how we have to speak. He said, why do you have so little faith? So it's not on God. He's going to take care of us. He's going to take care of us. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things, look, These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Children of God don't have these thoughts. Those things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all 
your needs. So he sees what you're asking for. He sees what you're believing for. He is seeing what you've cried out for him. He's seen in your prayer time what you have said, Lord, this is what I need. This is what I'm asking for. This is what I need to come to pass. So, but you have to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Everything. You know, um, my family and, and the kids and Eric and Jackie, we took side-by-sides, uh, ATVs out uh, at least 100 miles. I mean, maybe a tad less, 90, I don't know, at least 100 miles all through Wyoming. I mean, we went up mountains. We were at like, what is that, like 11,000 elevation or higher? Uh, 10,000, see, in the box right there. Had, had to get it right there, see? And so 10,000 elevation, and we're going through the forest. Like we're going over like rocks where it almost felt like you could have gone backwards. I feel like, you know, you didn't gun it and put it in the right gear. And I'm looking around and I'm, and I'm thanking the Lord. I'm thanking the Lord. I'm thank you, Lord, for, for what you've given to us. You know, the songs that you sang tonight were so good. The goodness of God and how he's faithful. And during that ride, I was just praying and thanking the Lord and looking around at the beauty and the goodness and the faithfulness. And I was thinking of Psalm 50 when I was, you know, going off of Matthew 6. It says, for all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own a cattle on a thousand hills. So, you know, it's funny because you hear all these things throughout the year. It's like Bill Gates telling us, and what, what year was it that we're going to, like, eat, like, plastic hamburgers? You know, it'll be a cold day in hell when I eat plastic hamburgers because my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. See, that? that's how you have to think. But when you get out there and you see that, you're like, I'm not going to be without. This world was provided for me to sustain me until it's time for us to go live with the Lord. And so when I was driving, I was just thanking the Lord. And I said, thank you for this week. Thank you that we're not going to stay the same. Thank you that we're different. Thank you that, you know what? You might sit here and be like, you know what? There's there's nothing I'm going through. There's nothing wrong. Everything's good. But you know what? We're called to go higher in the things of God. So we're called for our faith to increase every moment. So if you're not in here and you're saying, my body's fine. I don't need a healing. I don't need this. I don't need that. There's something we always need and we need more of God. We need more faith because we are to activate it in this world to others around us. That's our job as a Christian. That's our lifestyle as a Christian. Not to keep it just for me till I'm good. I have it. I'm not going to be a prayer project for 20 years, but now I'm helping somebody else. So that's what I'm believing for this week. We're leaving here with supernatural peace for the rest of this year. We're leaving on another level of faith, and we are leaving on new levels of supernatural joy. In the mighty name of Jesus, we agree. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together. Give Jesus praise. Hallelujah. Somebody declare it. Tonight's my night to receive from the Lord. Would you lift those hands all over this house and magnify the name of Jesus Christ? I feel his presence. Amen. Can you sense his anointing? And all oh, the blood of Jesus. 
Jesus and hold the blood of Jesus and hold the blood of Jesus it washes white as snow can you sing it with me? come on say hold the blood of Jesus Oh, the blood of Jesus. We're singing, oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, it washes white as. Oh, you sound good tonight. Come on, lift it high. We're singing, oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood. Oh, come on, lift it up. We're singing all the blood. Yes, it washes white. Come on, sing it like this. And there is healing in the blood of Jesus. Oh, there's healing in the blood of Jesus. There is healing in blood of Jesus. Yes, it washes white as. Come on, one more time, say this. And we thank you for the blood, Lord Jesus. Oh, we thank you for the blood, Lord Jesus. Oh, we thank you for the blood, Lord Jesus.
come on loud as you can all over this house. For it reaches to the Do you love him tonight? Amen. I want you to open your Bible, if you have it, to um, the book of 1 John, chapter 3. And I'm going to begin there tonight. And uh, then we're going to jump back to the Gospel of John. But I want to read you just uh, one verse of Scripture here to start. I love the Word of God. It's so powerful. It's always relevant. It never, ever uh, takes a second uh, if you can take the country term, never plays second fiddle to anything else. Amen. Doesn't matter if it's a doctor's report, a governmental uh, ruling or edict. The Word of God never takes second place. It's always number one. In fact, did you know that the Word of God is the most powerful force in the universe? In fact, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 138, verse 2, he said, Lord, you've magnified your Word above your name. Hallelujah. I mean, think about how powerful that, that is. 
Because every one of us in this room understands how powerful the name of God is. In fact, God gave Jesus a name that's above every name. And the Bible says at that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You know what I like? It says uh, not just on the earth. It says in heaven, under the earth, and on the earth. That means in every realm, every knee has to bow. That means demons' knees have to bow. That means angels' knees have to bow. Every, you know what I like? It doesn't just say Christian knees will bow. It says every knee. That means atheist knees will bow. That means Muslim knees will bow. It means agnostic knees will bow. New age knees will bow. doesn't matter if you're educated or uneducated. That makes no difference. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So when you begin to realize how powerful just the name of God is, so powerful that demons can't handle it. In fact, if you look through the New Testament, the apostles started to employ the name of Jesus after Jesus ascended into heaven, and they began to say, in the name of Jesus, come out. And demons had to come out. Literally, they didn't even have to lay their hands sometimes. They would just speak the name of Jesus and demons would run out. Couldn't handle the name that's above every name. Once you recognize the power that's in that name, that verse really takes a whole nother meaning to you to recognize that he has magnified his word above his name. I, I thought about that one time. I was like, Lord, how is that? that your word is even higher than your name. And he took me to John chapter 1. And I looked at that verse, the first verse of the first chapter. The Bible says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Oh, hallelujah. He answered me. He said, The reason it is, he said, It's because I am my word. Oh, hallelujah. I am my word. God is his word. He is his word. So when his word goes forth, it's as good as him going forth. Think about when we see prophecies like Isaiah, where he said, my, when I send my word forth, it never returns to me empty or void, but it always accomplishes what I send it to do and prospers whereunto I've sent it. So understanding this, that his word is as much him as the individual seated on the throne. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's why the word is so strong that it'll destroy sickness and disease. It'll destroy depression and anxiety. It will destroy addictions. I was preaching in New Hampshire, just preaching the word. Little Nazarene church. We actually had started the revival and it was just too many people were coming. And so we moved it over and started renting a Nazarene church. And the pastor was cool with it. He said, yeah, use our, use our building. And we started having a revival. And uh, in the midst of preaching one night up there, a woman came in strung out on heroin. And uh, she was, uh, I mean, scratching and itching and moving. And I mean, she was totally strung out, totally addicted, and had been addicted for years. And uh, I, I saw the power of God hit her as I was preaching. So I just paused my preaching for a moment. I said, sister, stand up. The Lord's going to touch you. Well, here she stands up, lifts her hands. And she's still kind of freaking and tweaking. And I, I said, the Lord's going to touch you. I laid hands on her. Boom, out she went in the Holy Ghost. And, the, and she's on the ground. God's touching her on the ground. Well, she comes back the next night. 
And she's come, it looked like a totally different woman. Came back in her church clothes, had her high heels on, and she had a big smile on her face. I was like, man, we got a testimony here. What in the world? And I had her come up and give it. And she said, do you know that after God touched me last night, I woke up this morning. She said, now I've been addicted to heroin for years. She said, I'm not telling you I didn't do heroin today. I'm telling you I didn't even have a desire to do heroin today. She wasn't in a bathroom locked up somewhere sweating and vomiting. She was in the house of God smiling and praising. Hallelujah. For he or she whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. It didn't take a 21-step process. It was a word from the Holy Ghost that set the captive free. Can you say amen? amen. We are preaching on the reservation up in Ontario. Uh, it was the, the um, Ojibwe First Nations Reserve in Ontario, and the tent was up. We were the first um, people that were not natives to actually hold a revival on that reservation. In fact, the elders approved it, and we came on the reservation and set the tent up, and my, my father was preaching one night, and as, as he was preaching, there was a couple from the res that came and stood outside the tent, and they had a stroller for the baby, their baby. And the baby was in the stroller, and they just, they didn't even come in and sit down. They just kind of stood on the outside of the tent, and were just watching the service from the outside. All of a sudden, my father stops preaching mid-sermon, mid and he points at him and says, the Lord shows me something about your baby. Now they're all ears. They said, the Lord shows me that your baby was not born with any reproductive organs. Their eyes got wide like that. Uh, they, they nod their head, yes, that's true. He said, the Lord shows me that when you go home tonight and change the baby's diaper, you'll find that God's healed your baby. They went home that night, changed the diaper, and God had formed supernaturally male reproductive organs on that baby. And nobody laid hands on it. It was a word from the Lord. They came back the next night. You better believe both of them were at the altar giving their heart to Jesus as God did a creative miracle and healed their baby. It's the word that goes forth. And the word is so powerful that nothing can withstand the mighty word of God. You think about the fact that when God speaks, that's why the Bible says that even when evil men make plans in the earth, God just throws his head back and laughs in heaven. Because he's thinking to himself, what man, what mortal being is going to create some evil plan that's going to stop my power, stop my word, stop my glory? In fact, I was reading the, the other day about how uh, a full army of men surrounded God's people in 2 Kings. And there was an evil king that took 185,000 soldiers and surrounded Judah and started threatening the people of God and saying, we're not going to tear, tear down your altars and your temples, but we're going to take all your women and children into slavery and kill your men. And then they made this mistake. They started talking trash against God. That's one thing you don't want to do. You don't want to talk trash to the Almighty God. And this is what they said. They said, if you honestly think that your God is going to save you from us, you know what they said? All the previous nations thought their God would save them from us too. But we tore down their cities and we tore down their altars and took their women and children. And you will be no different. We will take yours too. I like what King Hezekiah did. Took the letter went into the temple, laid it on the altar, said, God, you got some mail today. 
<laughs> it wasn't even for him. It was, he says, God is for you. And then he starts praising God for his greatness and worshiping God for how big and strong and mighty he is. He said, don't you hear what they're saying about you? They're speaking against your name, speaking against your power. And the Bible says that after everybody went to sleep that night, that God just dispatched one angel who descended down from heaven and destroyed 185,000 soldiers in one night. Because it doesn't matter how many men come up with evil plans against God's people, God has the ability to deliver you in one moment. I said one moment. I don't care what they try to plan to destroy the church at large. The church cannot be destroyed. I said the church cannot be destroyed. I don't care how many. You look at nations where they're completely uh, disallowing churches. Look at China where it's illegal to gather as a Christian or be a Christian. Are there no churches there? No. There's an abundance of underground churches all through China. Even in a place where the government says it cannot happen. A government that is fully opposed to the church can't even stop the church. And I'm telling you it doesn't matter what evil plans men may make, they don't have the resources to stop the God you serve. He is greater than every attack of the devil. He's greater than every demon power. He's greater than every antichrist agenda. I came to encourage you this week, the best days are ahead of us. We're not done and God's not done with America. Don't listen to these false Facebook prophets that are always jumping on and giving a word of gloom and doom. You know, God's judging America, and God's judging America for this and for that. Let me tell you something. God's not through blessing America. God's not through touching America. Revival is happening in America right now. Do you realize what's going on through this nation? Look at all these people gathering out in fields and arenas and just worshiping God. I mean, literally just praising God and talking about his greatness and his goodness. I just found out, somebody told me, how many have heard of this guy that's been going around from city to city, Sean Foyt? How many, he was here. You had him here. Did you hear he just had uh, President Trump agreed to be part of the worship night in, uh, where's it going to be? In Jersey, D.C.? And he's going to be a part. I mean, literally, people are coming together just to worship the Lord all over this nation. You can't shut us down. You can't stop us. I mean, when they told us we're going to put locks and chains on your building, you know what they did? Even in states like California, they just went out towards, uh, if either they were on the ocean or they went towards lakes or whatever, beaches. They got out there and started preaching and teaching and baptizing people in water. Let me tell you, you can't stop what God's doing in America. I said, you can't stop. Stop what God's doing in America. This is the greatest time to be a Christian in the history of the world. There's never been a more powerful time. There's never been a moment. Now you think about this. There's never been a moment in all of history, the history of the church, 2,000 plus years, there's never been one moment where there have been impacts being made like this today with crowds being gathered like there are today. There's never been that. Do you realize Right now, in 2021, the largest crowds that gather for any purpose whatsoever are Pentecostal Christian crowds. Do you realize there's not one music festival? You can go, any of it, doesn't matter, Coachella, you can look at anything you want. There's not any music festival. There's not any sporting event, including the World Cup. There's not any 
crowd in the world that is larger than the crowds gathering to worship God. I could point you to YouTube videos right now. These are not like one-time events. These are monthly events, weekly events. I can show you a building right now in Nigeria, and the building is three kilometers wide by three kilometers long. 1.8 miles by 1.8 miles under roof. And you look at it from an aerial view, it doesn't even look real. You see how small all the other buildings are around it? The roads look like tiny thin lines, cars, and you see this massive roof where people come to gather and worship God. When they have their Holy Ghost meetings, they will have anywhere between two and four million people in the building. Two to four million people in the building, not live stream, in the building. You know that you've got a serious move of God going on when they have to change the way they give altar calls because the building's too big. I mean, you imagine that. I mean, imagine if you were like in the back of the room and you were like me, out of shape, and you, you felt to give your heart to God. You know, and you're like, uh, come forward if you want to give your heart to Jesus. If I took off jogging from the back of that room, it would easily take me 17 to 20 minutes to get to the front. That's two miles. I mean, how long does it take you to run two miles? I mean, I, I could take off running, let's say 15 minutes. So they started putting platforms up all through the building. And someone just stands and holds a flag up on top. And they tell them, if you want to get saved, just run to the nearest flag. And people are being saved at unprecedented rates. You know you've got a serious gathering of people when the announcements consist of things like this. We want to give God praise. Yesterday we had 632 newborns uh, in the conference. They, women coming that are pregnant giving birth to babies during the conference. When you've got 700 babies born after one night of conference, that's a lot of people. Millions of people. I know there's churches where people leave their home at 2 in the morning to go get to church, where the churches are packed out. I'm telling you, in America, hunger is on the rise. It's not on the fall. It's on the rise. People are waking up that we need help, and the help can't come from Washington. The help can't come from the medical industry. The help can't come from corporations. I can't get help from a stimulus check. I need the power of God. I need the anointing of God to set the captives free. What do you do? See, that's why the Bible tells us. Jeremiah 17, 5 is an interesting verse. Because the prophet said, cursed is the man who puts his trust in the arm of flesh and in doing so turns his back upon God. See, the problem with trusting in men is that men will fail you. People will fail you. Governments fail you. Corporations fail you. Even doctors with all the best intentions, working as hard as they do, all of the breakthroughs that have been made in the medical industry, we still have people that the doctors simply shake their head and say, we're sorry. There's nothing more we can do for you. There's no surgery we can perform. There's no medication we can prescribe. We're just going to have to send you home. Hospice will be at your house. Just spend your final moments with your family. Make memories with your grandkids and your children. And, and, 
just be around them for the final months of your life. And that's all they can tell you. It's all they can do. But you serve a God whose arm is never too short that he cannot reach down from heaven and touch you where you are and set the captives free. My trust is not in a man or a woman. My trust is not in a president. You know, and I, I'm all for, let me, let me tell you something. I thank God when there's politicians that serve the Lord and do things that are right in the eyes of God. But my trust is not in a politician. I mean, there were Christians that literally lost the victory because we didn't see Donald Trump go back into the White House. I've actually preached revivals where I'm certain there were people in the pews that had accepted Donald Trump into their heart. I'm, I'm totally honest with you. And I listen, and I appreciated him and everything he did, but he's not my hope. He's not my help. He is not my Savior, and he's not my Lord. I thank God. I know what the Bible says, that when wicked men are in leadership, then the nations mourn. But when godly men are in leadership, the nations rejoice. I understand that. But let me tell you, what do you say to nations? Because if that's how we govern ourselves as Christians, what do you say to nations that don't even have a democracy? You tell me you can't live in victory because you can't elect your leaders. No. God's the same God whether you're living in a democratic nation or whether you're living under some kind of a dictatorship. He's the same God in every nation. Back then they were living under an emperor and the God could still move under an emperor. I'm telling you it's not about what men are doing. It's about what God's already done through Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. We're not victims tonight. We're victorious by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's not time to hang your head. It's time to lift up your eyes to where your help comes from because your help comes from the Lord and victory will be our story in Jesus' name. You believe it? Somebody shout amen. Declare it with me. Say victory is my story. That's right. The devil has no business harassing God's people. No business. He's trespassing on God's property. Woo. Let me just say, that's how you know it's important to know who you are in Christ. If you own a lot of land, but you don't know where your boundary line starts and stops, and somebody comes in and starts building something, you can't really stop them. Because you say, well, I, I think this is my land. Well, it doesn't matter if you think it or not. Is it? Is it your land legally? And this is where a lot of Christians get hung up because the devil will come in and start building stuff, building stuff in their body, building stuff in their mind, building stuff in their relationships, building stuff on their finances. But many Christians, because they've never fully understood who they are in Christ, that they are God's property, that they don't belong to themselves, they've been bought with a price. Oh, Oh, I could preach that right there. Because, see, once I've been bought with a price, I don't belong to me anymore. Jesus purchased me with his own precious blood. And once he purchased me, I became his property. If I became his property, that means that he owns every part of me, my mind, my body, my spirit. He owns my life. And if that's the case, if the devil creeps in, 
and starts trying to harass my physical body or harass my mind or harass my finances or harass my spirit, the devil is trespassing on God's property. And see, let me tell you, there's a difference between knowing what's yours and defending what's yours. Because there's some folks, they will not listen to you. You say, oh, that's my property. They still ain't listening. That's what a shotgun's for. <laughs> Amen. Hey, they, like they, they say, last thing, there's two things, the top two things that a burglar that's, that's a home invader does not want to hear. The first one's a barking dog. The second one is a ch ch That's exactly right. That's the last thing you want to hear if you get into a home and you're breaking and entering. ch ch my wife is a good woman. She bought me a beautiful uh, Benelli Supernova pump, 12-gauge shotgun. And uh, when I'm out of town, I just make sure she remembers how to rack that thing. Because I'm going to tell you, I took her shooting. She shot better than my uncles did. We went and shooting, uh, skeet and trap shooting, and she, she was tearing them up. Pigeons were just into dust. Clay pigeons, in case anybody's watching this. From PETA. Anyway. I make sure I leave town. Sometimes I'll go on the road by myself for a meeting or two. I'll say, pull that Benelli out. Let's hear it. She'll, she'll put one right in the chamber. She knows how to work it. It's the original point-and-click interface. Amen. <laughs> you learn how to use it. And that's what that's an enforcement of what is yours, enforcing what's yours. See, the devil, as long as you just allow him to come in and set up shop on God's property, God's not going to enforce it. He's called us to enforce what's our property. And see, if we belong to him and he belongs to us, then we've been given power to enforce our covenant rights in the earth. So that when the devil tries to come in and mess with you, you've got the ability by the power of God's word to pull that thing out. Hallelujah. You pull that bad boy out. You just get that ready. And you hold it out. You declare it. You speak it. You stand on it and say, devil, you have no right messing with my kids. You got no right messing with my mind. You got no right messing with my physical body. And you got to pack up your stuff and get back where you came from because this is God's property. He bought me by the blood of Jesus Christ, and I am holy and separated unto God. Somebody shout amen. amen. And so we've got the authority of the Holy Ghost, and it comes through the Word of God and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The Word and the Spirit, they agree. They agree. And catch this now. The Bible says, and I had you turn to 1 John chapter 3 because I just wanted you to get this one verse. The Bible says that uh, those that sin like frequently or consistently is what the point is. They are, the Bible says, of the devil. For the devil's been sinning since the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's 1 John 3, 8. So the whole reason Jesus came was to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. And he did it. Can you say amen? He destroyed the works of the devil. And then I had you go over at John 14, put it in your notes. Of course, you know this, this verse very well. Jesus said this. Truly I say unto you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to be with my Father. 
So Jesus is making the point, I came here to destroy the works of the devil, but all these same things you've been seeing me do, you're anointed to do them. I want you to say this with me, I'm anointed to destroy the kingdom of darkness. Oh yeah, yeah, we got to get antagonistic about this thing. Because the devil has been messing around with people for too long. And it's time to stand up and declare, I'm actually out looking for a fight. Hallelujah. It's time for Christians to get the fight back in their eyes again and start going after the devil. Here's here's what I point I was making this morning is that the devil knows who's making a dent and who's not. He knows who's a threat to the kingdom of darkness and who's not. And every one of us are called to be a threat to the kingdom of darkness, to carry that supernatural power of the Holy Ghost and tear down strongholds wherever we go. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. See, you can't fight the devil with a knife or a gun, but you fight him with the power of the Holy Ghost. I love it. If you read Ephesians chapter 6, you read about the full armor of God. It really blew my mind to do a study on that and recognize that all of the pieces of armor that you'll find in that passage, they're really only made up of two elements, every single one. They're made up of righteousness and the word of God. Those are the, that's the whole thing. Helmet of salvation, righteousness. Belt of truth, what is the truth? The word of God. What are the feet shod with? The preparation of the gospel of peace. That's the word of God. What's the shield of faith? Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. You got the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's all either breastplate of righteousness, which is righteousness. It's righteousness and the Word of God. Righteousness and the Word of God. Two elements that make up the armor you're wearing that put you in a place where you are called to destroy the works of the devil. You know, I love to think about this that if God only wanted us to defend ourselves against the attacks of the enemy, he'd have never given us a sword. But the fact that he put a sword in our hand means that he's called us to be on the attack. Glory to God. Somebody shout, I'm on the attack. If you're called to be on the attack, that means that you're pursuing every, every plan of the devil and going after it by faith to tear it down. We're looking for something to destroy. We're looking for something to, he was coming right at them. He wasn't avoiding the sick, he was going right to them. He wasn't avoiding those that were broken, he'd come right to them. To the point where his disciples couldn't even understand it. They said, How, why are you talking to that person? Don't you know where they're from? Hey, don't you know he's a tax collector? Why are you talking to him? How come you sit with sinners and eat with them and minister to them? You know what Jesus' answer was? Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And Jesus went right into where the devil was having a heyday, and he began to destroy the works of the devil one by one. Let me encourage you. Every one of you are anointed to destroy the works of the devil. This nation has not yet seen its greatest move of the Holy Spirit. God saves the best for last. I said he saves the best for last. And before Jesus comes, I know what Bible prophecy says. I know there will be people whose hearts will grow cold. I know there will be people that will fall away from the faith. But I'm telling you, I'm setting my faith 
as I know this is a principle that God operates by, he saves the best for last. And I'm going to say, Lord, let me be a part of this great end time move of the Holy Spirit. Don't, I like what Lester Sumrall prayed. Dr. Lester Sumrall was a missionary apostle to the world. He's going on to be with the Lord now. But he prayed this. He said, Lord, don't let there ever be a point in my life where I'm not in the middle of what you're doing on the earth. Don't let me ever miss it because of preference. I don't like that music. I don't like the way they look. I don't like the way they do it. He said, Lord, until even to even if I'm old, he said, let me be a part of every major revival that hits this earth until I go home to be with you. And do you know, God answered his prayer. Every major revival that he was alive for, he was a part of. He never got to the place where he was on the outside looking in. That's how I want to be. Lord, use me in these final moments of time to see people changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Use us to see people delivered from demonic oppression, to see people delivered from addictions, to see people delivered from sickness and disease. Father, I pray you would put a fresh anointing on every one of us to stand up and do what we're called to do. As time grows short and as the final grains of sand are falling through that sand dial in heaven that Jesus is getting ready to come and the trumpet's going to sound. Before it does, let us do what you've called and anointed us to do before it's too late. And let America see a mighty shaking and revival before Jesus comes back. If you're believing for the same, clap your hands and give Jesus praise. Oh yeah. Hallelujah. See, the crazy thing that blows my mind, you go to other nations. I actually have people will ask me this. They'll be like, well, how come when you go to third world countries, there's always a lot of demonic activity, but it seems like we don't really see that in the United States. You know why? It's because here we just call it a mental health issue and medicate it. Now, I'm not saying that every mental health problem is a demon, but I'm saying that we have many times diagnosed things that were demonically rooted as a mental health issue and just medicated it, thrown it into a padded room. Do you, can you imagine what they would have said about the demoniac in Mark chapter 5 if it was 2021? Well, you know, he's, he's very violent all the time. He was always, he was always breaking stuff, and he freaks out all the time. And, 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 well, he's probably got multiple personality disorder. Oh, they'd have diagnosed him for sure. They'd have put him in a home. They'd have given him medication. They would have just kept him zombified watching TV and eating vanilla pudding for the rest of his life. Why? Well, he's got a mental health issue. Jesus understood what it truly was, a demon spirit. In fact, it was a group of demon spirits, and he cast them out. What about when that family brought their son to Jesus and said, hey, here's our son. Your disciples couldn't do anything with him. What can you do? He said, often this spirit throws him into the fire or throws him into the water in order to kill him. You know what they have said? Well, he's just suicidal. He's just battling chronic depression and he's suicidal. And all the while, it's a demon spirit. And what we've tried to do in America is have natural solutions for spiritual problems. And we wonder why nothing's getting better for some people. It's because all we're doing is suppressing the root of the problem that's in their life and trying to push it down and medicate it and just trying to numb the feet, numb what's going on in their life. But see, when you're looking for freedom, you got to pull that thing out from the root and get 
get delivered from what the devil has used to attack the people of God. That's why I'm saying this move, hear what I'm saying because this is so important. This move that the American churches have had to try to push the move of the Holy Ghost out the back door because, well, you know, it, it really makes visitors uncomfortable when they see people speaking in tongues. Good. It should freak visitors out. Have you ever seen some of the visitors and what they're calling normal in 2021? One out of every three Americans takes an antidepressant. It's the number one prescribed medication in our nation. Did you know one out of every three Americans is diabetic or pre-diabetic? All kinds of things that are affecting our nation. Suicides on the rise. You got young people cutting their skin and cutting their wrists and cutting their legs with razors and paper clips and everything else. I've preached youth camps and youth conventions and the young people have filled line after line at the altar with their hands lifted and tears streaming down their face. And as I walk down laying hands on them. I just see cut marks from the wrist to the elbow and on the thighs and everything else because the devils lied to a generation and told them that they're unimportant and they're not valuable and that nobody would even know if they were gone if they killed themselves. It's a lie from the devil. And meanwhile, we got churches that are focused on entertainment rather than the power of the Holy Ghost. We're advertising on our website what kind of coffee we serve and how good our muffins are in the lobby. And all the while, people People are dying and going to hell because we've lost the power of the Holy Ghost in the American church. And we've substituted flashing lights and fog machines for a move of the Holy Ghost. But we need to come back again to the fire of God where the Holy Ghost is moving upon our young people, old alike. It doesn't matter what age you are or what color you are or what level of education you have. It is the fire of the Holy Ghost that makes the difference in every person's life. If I need coffee, I can go to a cafe. If I need a muffin, I can go to a bakery. If I need a light show, I can go to Disney World. But when I need a miracle, there's only one place I can come. It's the altar of the Almighty God. And I'm going to tell you, I'm excited for the move of the Holy Ghost. I'm expectant for the power of God. I want to see this generation changed. Is that you? Shout amen. They've, they've, I, I'm talking about Pentecostal churches that have told people, well, don't speak in tongues during the Sunday morning service. They're telling them, don't lift your hands, don't shout, don't dance. We really want those that are visiting to not be uncomfortable. <laughs> That's it. Stay uncomfortable. I, you know, they're uncomfortable at home because they're living in a problem. They come to a house where there's freedom why do we want to make them feel the same as a place where there's no anointing? You ever think about this? People say, well, you know, we need to really curate our services and gear them towards the lost. That's a stupid idea. That's a dumb idea. I'll tell you why. Since when did the living care about the opinions of the dead? I know it doesn't sound like church growth seminars you go to nowadays, but I'm going to tell you the Bible truth. Can you imagine going out and buying, like if I bought this new sport coat, can you imagine me buying and getting it all tailored and then just going out in the graveyard? What do you guys think about this? You think this looks nice on me? Does it make me look fat? They don't care. They're dead. <laughs> They've got no answer for it. Seriously, what do you guys think about this? Is it too much? Is it? They're dead. They're gone. they got no opinion. 
And the Bible says that sinners are dead in their trespasses and in their sins. They're not alive unto God. They think the things of God are foolishness, the Bible says, and they cannot understand or comprehend them. So why would we curate church services for people who are dead in their trespasses and in their sins? Why would we? There's, I'm, I'm not making this stuff up. There are churches that will start the service with an ACDC song to get everybody feeling all good and hyped up. A Katy Perry song, a Justin Bieber song. What, what business do we have bringing the things of the world into the house of God in order to reach those that are seeking? I ain't trying to try to make myself more secularized so people will think I'm cool. Get, being cool doesn't get people saved. Being hip doesn't get people saved. It's the power of God that gets people saved. It's the anointing of the Holy Ghost that gets people saved. It, let me tell you, it, it's not going to be another cool video or cool presentation. or uh, None of that stuff brings deliverance to the captive. It is the fire of the Almighty God that brings deliverance to the captive. You can have the best coffee in the world in your lobby. You can have the best muffins and cakes. You can have the best small groups and networking and everything else, but it doesn't cause demons to come out. It doesn't cause addictions to be broken. It doesn't cause sickness to run out of somebody's body. But when you've got the anointing of the Holy Ghost, every attack of the devil has to loose its grip and let God's people go because it's the power of God at work in you. Can you shout aloud, amen? That's why I'm so thankful for Bethany. A church where people are hungry for the move of God. A church where people are desiring a shaking from the Holy Ghost. We will not remain the same. We'll be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't know what, see everybody's story is different. I don't know what the enemy's tried to use to mess with you. To destroy your family. To come against your children. But we're declaring, I'm standing with you, my wife's standing with you this week. We're going to believe that whatever it is that the devil thought he could use to take you out, it's being destroyed in the name of Jesus. It's being destroyed in the name of Jesus. I said it's being destroyed in the name of Jesus. Would you just lift your hands for a moment and thank God that the anointing of the Holy Ghost is here to set God's people free, to touch God's people. I'm telling you, I'm so thankful for the Holy Ghost. <laughs> One time, my, my grandfather, who was a pastor, for 62 years he pastored in the Assemblies of God. And he was very sharp, very sharp man. Could have really done a lot of things. I think he could have been a very successful businessman. He was early on in his life. He ran moonshine through the mountains in West Virginia. Of course, that you know, gets old after a while. But... You know, he was just a coal mine, came from coal miners and people fighting and just a rough, rough upbringing. Nobody thought he'd be a preacher, let alone get saved. And, and back then, the church met in a one-room schoolhouse church. And in the winter there in West Virginia in the mountains, he'd climb up on the building while they're having church and stuff the chimney with blankets and smoke them all out. They never thought he was going to get saved or become a preacher. And then the Holy Ghost touched him. And uh, he became a Holy Ghost-filled preacher. And... Um, Somebody asked him one time, because I think they could see he was a sharp man and had a lot of skills and abilities that would have made him a, probably a very successful businessman. And they were wanting to know if he ever had any other aspirations other than being a preacher. But they asked the question in such a way, they said, Brother Shuttlesworth, what would you be if you weren't a Holy Ghost-filled preacher? He said, what would I be? I'd be ashamed. 
That was his answer. He said, I, if I wasn't a Holy Ghost-filled preacher. See, he, he took it from the other side. I don't want to be a dead preacher. I don't want to be a stuck-in-religion preacher. I don't want to have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. See, that's how you know we're living in the final moments of time, is that you see these prophecies coming to pass, more, like far more than we ever have. I was talking to my father about this, and he, he's been preaching now 45 years in, in the ministry full-time, holding revivals all over the world, all over America, under the tent, in arena, I mean, all, in every way you can imagine. And uh, he said, I've watched as over decade after decade, there have been churches that have really gotten away from the move of the Holy Ghost, gotten away from the power of God. He said, it used to be every church had revivals all the time. You could drive through a town and every church, they'd have signs up. This church is in revival. That church is in revival. This church is in revival. There'd be churches doing their own outreaches, setting up their own tents and preaching the gospel in the streets. He said, but little by little, you begin to see that the enemy has crept in and as they've traded their hunger and their fire for just a form and a fashion. And this is what Paul said would take place, that in the last days, there'd be those who'd had a form of godliness but denied the power of that godliness. He said, when you see them, turn away from that. He said, don't participate with that. Get away from it. And that's my desire as well. I don't want to just have a form or a fashion. I wouldn't even do it if the Holy Ghost wasn't there. I don't, I don't care to hear myself ever say another word, sing another song. I don't care about doing anything if God's not in it. I want to see the power of God move. I want to see people change, uh, conference people set free by the Holy Spirit and his glory. You know, we were just at that uh, conference that I was uh, telling you about this morning where all those kids got baptized in water. And I heard a testimony given by one of the young ladies. And do you know, she said in her testimony that she was in the worst place of her life a couple of years ago. And she said she was so depressed and she was ready to like kill herself. I mean, just totally, completely shut down. She said, but do you know what I ended up having to happen? Somebody shared with me the conference that I'm talking about. She said, I just put it on in my bedroom. I wasn't attending it. It was, she was in Virginia and it, it was, it was that? Yeah. My, my nephew shared it with her and she turned it on in her room. And do you know that as she watched the service on the live stream, the power of God hit her on that night and totally transformed her life, and she'll never be the same again. This young lady is now so full of the fire of God. She just, her and my, my nephew and a bunch of the young people, they just held their own outreach this summer called Take Virginia Beach, and they raised their own money, thousands of dollars, to rent a facility, to, to have, uh, you know, worship, speaking, had a whole conference thrown by people that are 16, 17 years old. They went down in the days to the boardwalk at the beach and walked the boardwalk and witnessed to people and, and, and told one people to Jesus, invited them to come and hear preaching and teaching, get saved and get filled with the Holy Ghost. And at night they had revival services. And just, you think about it, a few years before, here's a girl that was ready to kill herself and now she's so on fire for God, you can't get her to shut up. She's on the boardwalk, she's preaching, she's 
she's excited. And this coming winter, she's going to Bible school to become a preacher of the gospel. Hallelujah. The anointing will change your life. The anointing turns your life around. Hallelujah. I'm telling you that when God's power gets a hold of somebody, every little thing that the devil thought he would use to destroy you has to fall off of you by the power of the Spirit of God. See, it's the anointing that makes the difference. It's the anointing that makes the difference. The anointing of the Holy Ghost. Paul recognized it. When he first went to Athens, he thought he could, with his educated mind, debate them into the kingdom of God. Stood in that place with all the Stoic and Epicurean philosophers and debated them with his extreme education, and he was educated. And the Bible says only a few of them believed. It was the worst ever of any meeting he ever had response. Never had a worse one. That was the worst when he depended on his own wisdom and knowledge. So when he wrote to the Corinthians, you know what he said to them? In 1 Corinthians 2, 4, he said, when I came to you, I didn't come with enticing words of men's wisdom. I came in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul learned his lesson. He said, I'm not depending on intellect. I'm not going to depend on my natural abilities. I'm not depending on my education. I'm going to depend on the power of the almighty God. And I'm telling you, that's what we need. In these final moments of time, we need the mighty fire of the Holy Ghost. It burns up every trap. It burns up every lie. It burns up sickness and disease. It burns up depression and anxiety. It burns up addictions. Every foul thing that the devil sent at you is destroyed by the power of the Holy Ghost. If you believe it, somebody shout amen. Amen. Glory to God. It's the fire of the Holy Ghost. It's the fire of the Holy Ghost. It's the fire of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to have Paul and the team come back here in just a moment. You can come. I'm going to minister. But I want to get this into your spirit before we do. We need a fresh oil from heaven. David said that, Psalm 92. He said, I've been anointed with fresh oil from heaven. Fresh oil, a fresh touch. A fresh touch. I, you know, you hear people, man, I got a, I remember we had a move of God back in 1994. My God, we had a move. I mean, is it 1994 is the last time you had a move? There's people still depending on a touch they got from God at a youth camp back in 98. Say, my God, we have, I mean, people are all over the floor. You hear those old Pentecostals talk? People can't even fathom that stuff today, you know, because they don't understand what old-time Pentecostals like. They don't understand women wore their hair up in a bun because, well, you were not holy if you cut your hair. My God, you were on your way to hell if you had short hair as a woman. Back then, you couldn't wear makeup, couldn't wear jewelry. As my grandfather said, if the barn needs paint and paint it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. And they they used to say, <laughs> they used to say, man, women dance till their hair fell down. People don't understand what that meant. Power God hit, they dance and shout at the altar till that hair come out of that bun and start. Man, you don't want to get next to an old time Pentecostal woman who's bucking and shouting. That thing turns into a bullwhip. <laughs> Snap somebody's eye right out of their head. 
<laughs> We'd have such meetings, there'd be bobby pins all over the floor. People would have to go around with a mason jar and pick up every bobby pin from a Pentecostal service. People dance in the sawdust to look like our clouds under the tent. Why? Power of God just hit. People didn't care what they looked like, didn't care what it felt like. They saw God moving. They wanted revival. They wanted revival. Hallelujah. They wanted revival. I still want revival. But I'll tell you, we don't have to look back and say, wasn't it wonderful back then? We can still have it today. We can have it just like they had it back then. God's not any less powerful now than he was back then. We People look back at the turn of the century. They look back at the Azusa Street Revival. They look at the Voice of Healing movement that took place after World War II as Oral Roberts and A.A. Allen and Jack Coe and the men of God set up tents all over America. The power of God moved mightily. They look back at the charismatic renewal of the 60s and 70s and the Jesus movement and all the things that happened. And people say, oh, what a move of God we had then. He's still moving today. He's still moving today. His same power is available today. And the devil can't stop the power of God. And the Bible says we need a fresh touch from the Holy Ghost. Fresh oil from heaven. Glory to God. Fresh oil. You know, David said that. He said, I have been anointed with fresh oil. I think about Acts chapter 4 because the Bible says the same people who had just gotten filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts 2, once they'd encountered persecution, they started praying together again. And that place began to shake. And the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. The same people that were filled in Acts 2 got filled again. In Acts, you know what that means? You can get filled and refilled. <laughs> and you know what the good news is? It's free refills. Hallelujah. Free refills.